There's three words that in certain contexts can be a great encouragement and reminder of the God we follow. And then there's those same three words in other contexts that can be scary because they point towards human manipulation. And those three words are God told me. God told me. Now, as Christians, we believe that God still speaks, that Jesus lives, and he is at the right hand of the Father. He pours out the Holy Spirit so that God continues to speak to us, to guide us. It's a wonderful promise, and God told me is can be a reminder that, no, God, he is guiding us. We have a relationship with him, a wonderful relationship, a continuing, growing, dynamic relationship. But then history is littered also with examples of people saying, God told me, and they use that as a way to manipulate others. Because, hey, if God told me this, then you better get in line. It's a way that sometimes people will take their will and elevate it to divine status. You see, we, we live in a fallen world. And remembering the already not yet concepts we've talked about, that already God has poured out his spirit so we can hear from God, we can get his guidance, but God's will, his full and final will are not yet fully and finally established so we only see in a mirror darkly that there's still, we still live in the flesh and sometimes that flesh can cause us to use God instead of submit to God. So God told me, how do we navigate that wonderful promise without it becoming not so wonderful? Well, that's what we're going to talk about today. As we go through our series on the Holy Spirit, uh, we have talked about, yes, the promises of Pentecost are already and not yet, that the Holy Spirit is a person, right? not just a power, he's, he's God. And we've also, in the last several weeks, talked about how we want to be filled with the Spirit. And the Spirit will empower us and give us gifts to advance God's kingdom. And last week, we talked about how one of those gifts, one of those empowerments is the working of miracles. Today, we're going to say, all right, well, another one of those gifts Another one of those empowerments is the gift of prophecy or the gift of the Spirit's continuing guidance. So that's what we're going to look at today. And if you're uh, following the discussion guide that I put out, you might be thinking, hey, I thought we were going to talk about the fruit of the Spirit today. Well, things got shifted a little bit. Uh, I'm, Wendy and I are going on vacation. Uh, we have, uh, we're going to celebrate our 26th wedding anniversary. So we're not... We, 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 the, the La Montaigne's have 25 years on us, but uh, we're still going to do that. So uh, next week, the Reverend Larry Leak will be with us, um, and he's been here before, and we really enjoy his, his preaching. And then the week after that, Peter will be preaching on the fruit of the Spirit. Uh, so that's why sort of things are a little bit uh, different than if you're watching our, um, our discussion guide. But yes, today, the gifts of the Spirit, the empowerment of the Spirit includes the Spirit continually giving guidance, God speaking to us. Because that's the promise. It's, 
This promise, this gift, this empowerment, it can be abused, but yet the promise that Jesus gives to his followers is one of continued guidance. Jesus did not leave his followers without a leader. He left them another guide, the Holy Spirit. And so here's the promise. Let's look at it. John chapter 14, verses 16 through 18. Jesus says to his, father, to his followers, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Now verse 26. But the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. A couple things there. The Spirit is to be to the disciples now what Jesus was. So Jesus says, I'm, not, I'm leaving because he's going to be crucified and, and, and rise from the dead, but he, he's going to the right hand of the Father. He says, I'm leaving you, but I'm not leaving you as orphans. I'm leaving you and going to pour out my Holy Spirit, and he will bring guidance. He will be to the disciples what Jesus was. So they're not going to be left without guidance. They're not going to be left without a word of God. The Spirit is going to do that. He's going to teach them. He's going to lead them. And that's the wonderful promise that he gave to his disciples, but that he also gives to us so that we can take God up on his promise and say, God, I want to hear from you. God, I want, I want to be guided by you, not just my own thoughts or anything. Like, I, God, I want to be guided by your will and your ways. And the promise of God is, well, that's who the Holy Spirit is. That's what the Holy Spirit will do in the lives of those who follow Jesus. And so that's a wonderful promise. And we should take God up on that. We should take Jesus up on that promise. But how? How do we do that? What what does, how does the Spirit speak to us? How does the Spirit guide us today? Well, number one is he guides us through the Scriptures, through the Bible. Jesus said to his apostles, he said, the Holy Spirit will bring to you remembrance of all that I've said. So for the, the, the apostles, that meant that the Holy Spirit would, would be bringing to them words that Jesus said things that Jesus did, and they would then write them down. And for us, that means that we uh, look to all that Jesus has said in the Scriptures, and that the Spirit brings to mind those things that Jesus has revealed, that the Spirit has inspired the prophets all along. Because when we say, all right, God told me, or God said this, we understand, well, that's the Spirit's power, but the Spirit has been speaking to and through people for generations. And so we have the Old Testament prophets. We have the apostles. And so when we want the Spirit to speak to us, to guide us, the first place we should look is the Scriptures. Because that's what God's already said. Uh, Craig Keener in his book, Gift and Giver, says this. He says, before we try to hear what the Spirit might say, let's look at what he's already said. So if you're here today and you're like, oh, you know, I haven't heard from God in a while. I really want to hear from God. I want to hear God speak, but I haven't heard from him in a while. My question, my follow-up question to you, I'll probably say it nicer, is 
Well, when's the last time you opened the scriptures and read it with an open heart? Because if you want to hear from God, then he has already spoken in his scriptures. And we can receive from him today. But so many times we go, no, no, I want a particular word just for me. We're talking about God here. God has spoken. We need to listen. Not say, hey, God, I want something more specific, God. That's, no, let's listen to what he's already said. And I say with a heart to listen because, you know, I'm on a Bible reading program. I try to read through the Bible uh, every year. And sometimes I'll do my reading, but that's all I'll do. I I won't read it with an open heart and being like, all right, God, I want you to speak to me through what you've already said, and I'm ready to listen. It'll be like, oh, I got to do five chapters today? All right. So a part of it is not only just opening the word, but opening it with an open mind and an open heart and expecting God to speak to us, the Holy Spirit to speak to us through his word. How else does the Holy Spirit speak today? Well, sometimes he uh, gives us an inner impression or an inner voice where we just feel, I, I really feel God is speaking to me that, that, that there's, and it's, it could be an audible voice, but oftentimes it's this inner voice. Other times that the Spirit can speak through dreams or visions. So in Acts chapter 2, after Pentecost, the um, the Apostle Peter says, all right, the Holy Spirit's been poured out so that your old men will dream dreams, your young men will see visions. So the Holy Spirit sometimes speaks through dreams or visions, uh, you know, pictures. But then that brings us to the next place that the Holy Spirit can speak through, and that is through other people. So when we, rec- when we think we've heard from God, when we think God is telling me something, and then we share it, well, now the, the, the possibility is that God is speaking to us, and now he's speaking through us to other people. Because that's how, we look at the scriptures, one of the ways that God speaks to people is through other people. But then that is when the danger starts, right? Because yeah, I'll trust God's guidance. If God guides me in a certain way, I'll trust that. But his followers, eh, not so confident in them. I mean, are, am I the only one who thinks this? <laughs> it's like, yeah, if I know for sure God is speaking to me, I'll do it. I'll be there. But, again, if, but his followers, I, I'm not so sure. But this isn't just something we deal with today. So it's not like, oh yeah, we need to go back to the New Testament times, but we didn't have to worry about that. No, even in the New Testament times, God's people have had to discern, all right, this, per- this is, God, are you really saying this through this person? God, are you really saying this to me? Is this impression in my heart? Is it something I want or God, is it what you want? From, from the beginning of the church, we've had to discern, God, is this you? So it's not just, God, I want, to speak, I want you to speak to me. And yes, that's the first thing. We, we want God. We need to listen. Open our hearts and say, God, I'm, I'm your servant. Speak whatever you will. Open my heart. I want to hear from you. God, seeking him, looking into the scriptures, gathering together, trying to, to say, uh, uh, hear God's voice in other people. All this, we need to seek it but, um, and, and seek the spirit. But then the next thing is, all right, we're commanded to discern. 
to discern God's will. I'm going to share a couple of scriptures with you to that effect. First John uh, chapter 4, verse 1 through 3. It says, the Apostle John writing, he says, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God, and every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you heard was coming and now is in the world already. So in context, just here, people uh, that the, the people who John was writing to, they were dealing with those who were saying, well, God told me. Right? That's what they, they were saying that, but they were denying the truth that God had already revealed, that Jesus had come in the flesh. He was flesh and blood. He gave his flesh and blood on the cross. And they were denying that. Now, I can't get into that heresy too much, um, but, but basically, yeah, that, that's what they were thinking. And that's what they were starting to teach. But they were not inspired by the Spirit of God to say this, but the Spirit of the Antichrist. And now I know you all want me to go like, ooh, are we, can we talk about the Antichrist? No, we cannot. Right? We're not going ch- to chase that rabbit, no matter how much we want to chase it. But just that very basically, the Antichrist is anything that tries to put itself in the place of Christ. It's a, a false Christ, false teaching. And John says there are many Antichrists already in the world, so it's not just some guy that we're waiting for in the future. There are many Antichrists. There's those who are not inspired by the Spirit of God, but the Spirit of the ones like Satan and whoever would want to replace God in our lives. But the important thing for us here is that John is saying, all right, don't believe every quote-unquote Christian who claims to hear from God. Rather, discern, test the spirits, because there are false prophets, there are false prophecies, and they need to be rejected. And sometimes these false prophecies or whatever, they're, they're inspired by the Antichrist, and it's, it's, it's very dangerous. But then other times, it's more of the fact that we're still living in the flesh, and sometimes we get things wrong. Sometimes we have trouble discerning, is this my will or is this God's will? So yeah, sometimes it's, it, it, there's uh, evil forces behind it, and then sometimes it's just our fallen nature. But either way, we're told to test the spirits. Another scripture, and this is really the scripture that if you want to memorize one scripture from today or just grab onto it, write it down and, and, and contemplate it the rest of the week, it's 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 verse 19 through 21, because I think this scripture helps give us very clear guidance of, all right, how do I navigate this? How do I seek and want to hear from God? I want God to tell me things. I want to be guided by God, but yet I also need to test the spirits. What's the balance there? What's the tension? I think 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 gives it to us. This is the Apostle Paul writing to the church in Thessalonica. He says, do not quench the spirit. Do not despise prophecies but test everything and hold fast to what is good. See, that's really, I think, the clearest command on, wait, how are we to treat these words from the Lord? And it's, all right, do not quench the spirit. Don't despise prophecies. Don't say, no, that, that, that don't happen. But yet, test everything. And then hold on. Hold on to the good stuff. 
And it's very tempting because how do we quench the spirit? It's, it's tempting because so many people have said, you know, God told me, and then they've led people astray. And even, again, in the New Testament, sometimes it, it's very tempting to just say, okay, well, let's just say prophecy does, doesn't happen anymore. It's tempting because that's easier, right? We, we've got the scriptures, so we don't need any more words from the Lord. A couple problems with that. And number one is, yes, the, the, God still speaks through the scriptures. Like we, he, he speaks through them. Um, but even if we say the only prophecy that exists and now is in the scriptures is we still, when it comes down to, to it, have to figure out what does God actually want me to do? Whether it's, all right, I've read this scripture and I feel the scripture is, is, is telling me to do this. There's plenty of times where folks have ripped out of a scripture out of context and say, oh, look, this is what God's telling me to do. And you're like, that's not what that scripture means. See, either way, we come to a point when we have to actually act, obey on what God is telling us to do. Whether that's, all right, I, I feel this word of the Lord this, that is speaking me to do something. Maybe it's in a vision or whatever. Or I'm reading the scripture and I feel that the scripture is telling me to this. When it comes down to it, there'll always be that point of, all right, I have to figure out what's the next step. So we can't get around discernment. Whether it's discerning what the Bible says, whether it's discerning what a word is. Not only that, but to, you know, say, well, let's be safe and say, all right, no, no, God really doesn't speak like that anymore, just through the word. It also, again, it, it contradicts scripture. So if we want to be sola scriptura people, you know, scripture only kind of people, which we want to be, well, the scripture right there tells us, right, don't quench the spirit. Don't despise prophecy. So we, we, no matter how much we want to do that to maybe be safe, we're commanded not to do that. And we don't want to quench the spirit. We want to have a dynamic relationship with God. And we want God to, to grow us and to lead us in everything in life. So what's the answer? Well, we don't despise prophecy. We don't quench the spirit, but rather we test everything. We test everything and we hold to what is good. The scripture has given us what we need to do. All right. So maybe I've convinced you, but you're like, all right, well, how though? How do we test the spirits? How do we test everything? And again, that's where we go back to the scriptures. You know, some people talk about the scriptures as being the canon. And that is, a, is an old word that just means standard. It, the, the scriptures are the standard to test everything. Not just prophecy, but teaching. Everything. Everything can be tested against scripture because 2 Timothy 3.16 says, all scripture is God-breathed. So, so the Holy Spirit has breathed the scripture and we can use it as the standard to test things because if the scripture said this to, in the, to the foundational people, to the Old Testament prophets, to the apostles, he's not going to contradict himself by telling us something totally different. So the scriptures are the standard. So that's one way to test Right, someone you, and that's testing yourself too, where you feel God telling you something, or someone else says something. It goes for both. You say, "All right, God, are you telling me this?" Well, does it contradict God's word? I think the second test is 
who's this about? <laughs> In other words, God, I, I feel you telling me this. Is it really about you or is it about God? Is it really about glorifying God or is it about glorifying yourself? Is it about trying to advance God's will or your own will? Building up. Does it build up, lift up Jesus? And does it build up and lift up his body? That's the test. So that even if something is, seems to be scriptural and we are testing our own hearts, we're testing it and saying, you know what? This really is about me. So God, I'm going to put all my desires aside. Let's start again. Because we have a huge propensity to want something so badly that we'll baptize it by saying, well, I think God's telling me this or that. No, is it about us or about God? And that's scriptural. In 1 Corinthians 14, and I've been referencing this quite a bit, it talks about that standard of one of the ways we test the spirits is does it build up the body? Uh, just quickly, verse 26, 1 Corinthians 14, 26, the apostle Paul talking about this is how you do prophecy in the church. He says, what then, brothers? When you come together, each one of you has a hymn, a lesson, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation. Let all things be done for building up. So that's the standard. One of the tests is, all right, I'm going to share this word. Does it build up the body? Uh, then let's jump down to verse 29. Let two or three prophets speak and let the others weigh what is said. Again, that's the, the same thing we just read, testing. That the, the church body tests and weighs and says, all right, is, is this really from God? And what's, um, oh, and if a revelation is made to another sitting there, let the first be silent. For you can all prophesy one by one, so that all may learn and all be encouraged. And the spirits of the prophets are subject to the prophets. So here's that thing is, all right, is this building everyone up? Is this for the body or is it just about me? And so that's a couple things. This is so encouraging because first notice he says, what then, brothers, when you come together, each one has a hymn, each one has a word. And that's a part of the promises we've been talking about, that the Spirit gives gifts and empowerments and to everybody, not just to pastors, not just to priests, not just to popes, uh, not to anyone that begins with a P. Uh, you know, just going to go crazy with this alliteration. But, um, but to all people, there we go, people, right? Um, everybody. So that there's an expectation that, wait a minute, God, the Spirit, is going to be speaking through many different types of people in many different ways. And we, wanna, we want that. We, want, we don't want to quench the Spirit. Uh, but yet, everyone is to weigh what is said. And that brings us to that fi the final test. And that is, as we test the words uh, that are said to be from the Lord, we do it in community. In community. The importance of community in discernment and exercising the gifts, it really can't be overstated. Again, verse 29, let two or three prophets speak and let the others weigh what is said. We discern in community accountability to one another. This goes with that idea that's often in Proverbs that there's wisdom in many counselors. There's discernment in many counselors so that when there's a word of the Lord, then many 
who have the spirit, right, believers uh, can, can help check something and say, you know, I'm not sure if that part is exactly from the Lord. Let's pray more. Again, it, the importance of community. We're told to weigh or to sift as a community because there are false prophecies. And, but also there's just times where, where as we try to step out in the gifts and someone receives a word of the Lord, maybe it's the first time they've ever really felt compelled to share um, that sometimes, again, they, they, they may be led and, and by the Spirit and then, oh, you know, just at the end or something, they kind of tail off and they get nervous or whatever and, oh, that, that part was a little bit in the flesh. And that's okay in a sense that if we discern and we're accountable to one another, we can say, no, as you're stepping out in the gifts, the community helps us. It's a guard. It's an accountability that we need to desire. Because so many times, right, we want the word of the Lord. We want to speak. You know, we want God to inspire us, the Holy Spirit to speak through us. But then we don't want the accountability. No, we, we are still, we are already saved. We already have the spirit of God living in us, but we're not yet perfected on this side of heaven. So sometimes there's a little bit of mixture and that's why we need one another. That's why we need to be in community so that when we use this God leading me language, we can help one another discern. And there's a, an example of this is that uh, we, we often use this God leading me language to kind of, as I mentioned, to baptize our desires. Um, or we use it like a trump card as if, you know, oh, God told me this, so therefore I'm not accountable because I'm accountable to God, not you, and all of this stuff. Um, and sometimes that's sort of an evil intent. Sometimes it's just mistakes and whatever. But an example of this is um, I've got a good friend. He's an eligible bachelor. All the ladies want to date him. And... Um, He's had two women at the same time say, you know, I feel God is really telling me that we should be married. <laughs> All right. It's two different women at the same time saying that God's telling them. So they both can't be right, right? <laughs> at least one of them's got to be wrong. And again, this, a lot of times that's not uh, vindictive. It's not being, you know, intentionally evil. It's just that in this world, we're still in the flesh. So sometimes our desires, right, they, they're so strong that we mistake that for God speaking. That's why we need community. That's why we need one. That's why we need the scriptures, that says, hey, you know, maybe in the Old Testament you could marry more than one woman, but, you know, Jesus is clear in Matthew 18 that now New Testament marriage is a man and a woman for life so that you, know, you, you both can't be right, right? And that's why, you know, for all the issues that we have in uh, congregational government, right? So Second Baptist Church, we're a congregationally governed church. What does that mean? It means that when it comes to the big decisions, we kind of vote on things as a congregation. Now, that causes issues, certain issues, but one of the things is it's also an accountability thing where, all right, you know, as a collective, right, as, as we are trying to discern the spirit moving, right, we do that in community, 
It's, a, it's sort of a safeguard against that, even if it has certain issues itself. All right, so what do we do? How do we unpack this in our actual doing church, in our lives, doing life, doing church? How do we do First Thessalonians? Don't quench the spirit, don't despise prophecies, but test everything. Hold fast to what, it good, what, it, what is good. How, how do we do that when we gather as a church? How do we do that as individuals? Well, I think the first thing is we need to make space for people to come with a word, with a hymn, with a song. We do this in a couple ways. Go ahead, Donna. Hallelujah. So, thank you, Donna. So, that was quite spontaneous. But for those of you who couldn't hear, like those online, Donna just said that last Thursday in our growth group, we prayed for her aunt, Margie. Was, she was on a ventilator. She was near death. She's off the ventilator. She's eating stuff. Praise God. <laughs> so, that's amazing. Uh, because remember last week as well, we had that we were talking about miracles, and then we just were praying, and everyone was coming forward to prayer. People were staying in their, in their seats and, and praying, and that's wonderful. And the point is, is that if we're going to not quench the Spirit, if we want to be open, then we have to have certain time, certain space to have that spontaneous kind of reflection. Um, but it's hard. The bigger the gathering, the harder it is to actually pull that off. Because, God, because Paul also says there needs to be order, right? So that all are encouraged, so that everybody is built up. And so when the larger the gathering, it's hard because some people can't hear. Uh, we also have our online audience and stuff, our online congregation, and so they can't hear. So it's hard. the bigger the group, the harder it is to say, all right, we need a space that's set apart so that everyone can bring a word as Donna just did and people can hear. The bigger the group, the harder it is to actually have that. But we still... And, and one of the things that's been hard after COVID is that as our online community has grown, it's been hard because if you're not mic'd up, they can't hear. So, so there's that. But still, I want to get to that place where we have that set time where we're open and not quenching the spirit and allowing others to bring certain things. Uh, and we already can do that. I mean, I'm talking about on Sunday morning. It's the trickier because it's a bigger group. But we already do that on Sunday nights, on the second Sunday night of every, of every month when we gather. Like, that's really wide open because we're, we're wanting people to bring a word, a thought, a hymn, all of that. Uh, we also do that in our growth groups, right? One of the reasons that we get together in smaller groups is that, oh, yeah, if, if we have a 12-person group and everyone has a word or a thought or, or something the Lord is telling them, well, we can do that, right? Because there's only 12 of us. So, so it's that balance of, all right, we don't want to quench the spirit. We don't want to despise prophecy. We want to make space for that. But we also want to make sure it builds everybody up, online people, uh, well, people even over here who maybe couldn't have heard, didn't hear Donna or whatever. Uh, so, but we want that. We, we want that space because we trust that God is speaking through many people. And then, Finally, how do we do that in our life, though? What does that look like in our life? 
Well, last week's sermon pointed to the importance of prayer, that if God gives gifts us with and empowers us to work miracles, right? And we, we, we just talked about that, uh, a, a miracle that was just done here in Donna's uh, aunt, that the key to that is prayer because it's not our power that does miracles. It's the Spirit's power. And it's the Spirit who wills things to happen, and then they'll happen. It doesn't matter what we want. It matters what does the Spirit want. And we connect with the Spirit through prayer, through earnestly and, and diligently seeking to draw close to Him so that when He says, all right, I want, you know, I'm about to do this, so pray for this. We pray for that. Miracles happen, but it's the same when it goes for guidance. It's the same when we're like, Lord, I want to hear a word from you. I want your guidance. It takes that prayer, that diligent, God, I want your will, your will to be done in my life. I I don't want my will. And because it's so difficult, because our will can be so strong, sometimes it takes hours, days, months of concerted prayer before God opens it up and it's clear that, okay, God, this is what you want. It's scriptural. It's in line with the scriptures. And uh, it's not about me. It's about your will. I'm I'm convinced of that. And in in my community, they also affirm that. But the key is drawing near to God. It's listening. And so many times we don't listen. When we pray, it's, all right, God, this is what I want. Could you do that? As opposed to, God, what do you want? Where do you want me to? I want your guidance. I want to be able to step forward confidently in saying, God told me. And it's not manipulation. It's not wishful thinking. It's no The Spirit has been pushing me towards this. Hallelujah. So Gary Best in his book, Naturally Supernatural, says a two-step model, all right, to follow the Spirit, whether it's God telling you to do something or you praying for somebody else. And the first step is listen, right? Listen, listen to God. God, what are you doing here in this situation? God, do you have a word for me for this situation? Listening, listening to God. Oftentimes, again, we don't listen. And then the second would be not just listening to God, but listening to the person that you might be praying for. Like if you, if you were praying with someone or listening to your community and seeing, God, what's going on? And then after you listen, you obey. He says when, you know, when God answers our prayer and then gives us guidance or shows us or gives us a word, the dance shifts from listen to obey. See, uh, the dance shifts. I don't know how to dance. And it's not just because I'm Baptist. It's because I just don't know how. I just don't have rhythm. So, here's a confession. When I do dance, Wendy actually has to lead. Right? So a part of that is listening first. Wait, what, what song is this? Is this a waltz? You know, it's, it's listening. Or is this a mosh pit? Uh, is this what kind of dancing and, and listening to the song, right? But then once you know, wait, oh, this is a waltz. Then that dance shifts to then obey and, le- and, and following the lead of the Holy Spirit. In my case, it's following Wendy's lead because she knows those steps and I just follow her. So that's how, you know, 
in our lives, how do we apply this? How do we not despise prophecy? How do we not quench the spirit? Well, we test everything and we listen. We listen to God and then we step forward. Because don't be praying, oh God, I want to know your will. God, guide me with a heart of, but I'll only do it if it's what I want anyways. God will, I mean, if he answers, then, I mean, you've got, you got to stand before God with that. Oh God, you blessed me, you graced me with giving me the word that I was looking for, giving me the guidance. But then I despised that guidance and did what I wanted anyways. I would not want to stand before God, taking his grace and throwing it away like that. But the good news is he still speaks. And so last, as we sing this last song, I invite each one of us to listen as we sing. Sing with an open heart because I know there's many here who want God's guidance. There's a situation that you really want God to, to um, show you. Make, you're going to make a decision. Listen to God. And it doesn't mean, oh, God told me just in this service. Maybe, but maybe he's going to put on your heart, I want you to go home. I want you to read the scriptures. I want you to think and be quiet so that you can actually listen. But whatever the case, whatever decision it is, whatever, however or why ever you want to hear from God today, raise that up to him now during the song and ask him, what, what's the next step? What are you leading me to do, to do, God? Let's pray. God, we put this time into your hands. As we sing this last song, we open our hearts and our minds to you. We ask that you would give us a heart to listen. We want your word, God. We want your guidance. We confess so many times we follow our own ways and our own will. But Lord, we lay that aside. Speak to us now. Give guidance to each as they open their hearts to you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.